What's your favorite cryptid? Because we went to that Oddities and Curiosities show. Yeah. I'm partial to... Um, Is it the pant one? Yeah. Because that's what I was going to say. Really? That's your favorite? Currently. The Fresno Nightcrawler. Yeah, Fresno Nightcrawler. They're just guys. They're, They're just, just It's just a pair of pants. Just pants walking, walking around. around. I like those guys, and I also like the Mothman. Mothman's pretty good. But not the Mothman that's the buff superhero Mothman that is in West Virginia. But I like the little fuzzy guy that people dress up as. Where he's just like a little black cape with like little red eyes and feelers. That would be a good um, Halloween costume. And like the lore around him is kind of like, oh, you know, he might be an omen of death. But he might also just be, like, an owl that somebody saw when they were really drunk. <laughs> I feel like that's most cryptids. Yeah, I think it's just that, like, people go out and do things they're not supposed to with drugs and alcohol. And then they see scary things, and then they come home and they're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Although, my mom has seen a hodag. Has she seen a hodag? Mm-hmm. What? When? Where? How? As a child. Please describe it's, what a hodag is. It's like a skunk ape or like a Bigfoot, but in is that the like Ohio-ish region? Some some big furry guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I that's I don't think I knew that. <laughs> Should ask her about it sometime. <laughs> yeah. Show starts in three, two, one. Welcome to Cinema Crush. Welcome. I'm Jacob Salisbury. And I'm Emily Salisbury. And we like to share movies with each other. And we're also married. And we like good storytelling. Yeah. And other good movie stuff, like the visuals and Mm -hmm. the music. Mm -hmm. That's that's all I can think of. Other movie ingredients. Other movie ingredients in this, this big soup that we call movies. And we're going to talk about one today. But there's been a lot going on this week for us. We'll do our, start with our little life update. Yeah, why don't you go first? I am a teacher and I just had midterms. I graded all my things. That was your whole week was just grading. Uh Uh-huh. And I threw a bunch of other things at you. Uh Uh-huh. So this week should hopefully be significantly less and we full have, of things. And we have a podcast on top of that. But this episode will be my last weekly edit. Yes. We will, we will truly, for my schedule, I will truly be back to a bi-weekly schedule for editing. Because as much as I love doing the Rings of Power, it was so much work doing this show on a weekly basis. Yeah, I I think that we will definitely use that as a lesson for the future, like, if we're going to, if, if there's a series that's coming out, and we're like, oh, we should do a review on that. We should really look at our schedule for the next, like, month or so. Yeah. But, 
This should be more manageable now. Yeah, we'll go back to bi-weekly, so we should be back on track in terms of schedule, but I make no promises because this is a hobby. Yeah, so I apologize for the erratic upload schedule, but that is, that's been the reason why. <laughs> what else has been going on? Uh, your friend came to town. Yeah, Matt Stricker. He He's a cool artist. Wonderful. An absolute angel. Uh, somebody that I went to college with, and he was in town for the Oddities and Curiosities Expo in Portland, which is like taxidermy and horror and all this spooky stuff that was really appropriate for the Halloween season. So it was pretty cool. Kind of twofold, fun fun weekend. There's a we, lot of people at that there thing. There were a lot of people. I think, which, there, I think there were more people than Comic-Con. For, for Portland... That really doesn't surprise me. There were a lot of um, vendors that came from out of town, too. Yeah. Like, there were a lot of people from Texas. We got to go to dinner at this really great pasta place, and we went to a weird leatherworks and meadery, which was so cool. It's like a bar, but it's themed after like a medieval tavern. Yeah. It was super cool. It was like peak Lord of the Rings fan ambiance. Uh, and we will definitely have to go check that place out again because they have really good mead. I've only had mead like once or twice before, but they like were doing some amazing things in that place. They make their own stuff and it was so good. What's his Instagram? Uh, Matt's Instagram is reaching for divine. Uh, those three words are separated by underscores. He does like eldritch horror graphite art. It's really fun. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. And I I love creepy things. That's, yes. that's a little thing I haven't really shared on this podcast is... Yeah. I'm a pretty happy, like, positive person most of the time, but I love creepy things. I love you scary, do. spooky, horrifying monsters. You like, like, body horror stuff, too. Yeah. Not, like, not like gory. Not, like, but nasty, like, nasty, but just, like... Disturbing. Like, Junji Ito yeah. type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me happy. Yeah. I know it does. And you won't let me hang any of my art in our home. <laughs> yeah, well, because I think it would scare people. It yeah. would scare me. Yeah. I would feel bad. That's the point. Having it watching over me. I prefer my birds and things. My coworker Tim has expressed to me multiple times that my office door scares him. <laughs> <laughs> With Be- your you have sorry, please explain what your office door looks like. My office door is face themed. So mm-hmm. it is a combination of two things. It is super spooky, scary. It's got like teeth and like scary faces and like monsters and also cinnamon toast crunch cereal backs like with the cool like cartoony face mm-hmm. but at the centerpiece of it all do you remember when mcdonald's redesigned the happy meal to have like cg 3d realistic eyes and teeth i only remember because you have one yeah but for our audience out there there was a time when rather than just the simple like yellow smile they gave it real a real mouth with the tongue and teeth and like eyes that look properly 3d rendered mm-hmm. it's terrifying and i yeah. love it uh-huh. because it's not meant to be terrifying but it just is yes it's just uncanny it is. and that is the centerpiece of my door yeah so that's if you if you are one of jacob's students that is what you see when you go to his office hours yeah I feel like that should prepare. Maybe that's why I don't get a lot of people in my office maybe, hours. Maybe they just don't like to come inside. <laughs> they don't, it's like a test. It's like the Sphinx's riddle. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I think busy, busy week. We also started a new D&D group. We did. We started a new group with the new D&D module that released Spelljammer. 
So we're doing a little... Which is refreshing for me, because I haven't, like, hung out with in-person people until, yeah. like, properly until, like, this year. Yeah. Well, because we haven't been able to, because we moved to a new place in the middle of the pandemic, and then we've slowly been gathering a friend group here, and we finally got the opportunity to join a group of people that are really great, and I'm very excited to see where this goes. It'll be it'll be really fun to just hang out, if nothing else. Yeah. So, But do you want to get into this movie? Yeah, what are you showing me? So, it's spooky season, uh-huh. and I was trying to think of what I was going to show you, because there's a couple horror films that I've wanted to show you, but I think I want to hold on to them a little bit longer, just because I think we'll probably extend our spooky yeah. season a little bit, just because we we're bi-weekly and we don't get a whole lot of episodes during October. Well, and here's the thing. Fall really just kind of kicked off in the PNW, so now I'm really feeling the spooky season, so I definitely have, like... We're, uh, we're ready for I've, it now. I've got some ideas of things I want to show you. Yeah. I think the next episode, that at least that I present, will be a proper horror film. Uh, this one that I'm giving you this week is not. It is, oh. a, it is an animated film. Okay. We're going to watch Nine. Oh, okay. I haven't seen this one in a long, long time. Yeah, but I thought it would be, it's kind of a good vibe. Yeah. Because it's a—it's kind of a scary kids movie. Yeah. But it also has interesting an interesting production and, like, history with, like, the people that have worked on it. Yeah. To the point of it being kind of a scary kids movie, I do remember watching this. My mom used to be, well, she still is, she would uh, perform on the worship team at church. And so uh, my younger siblings and I would frequently uh, hang out in one of, like, the kids' daycare rooms downstairs while she was doing that. And one of the movies that I remember watching while in one of those daycare rooms on the TV in the corner was Nine. What? I also watched Lord of the Rings Two Towers. (laughs) Not for the first time. But, yeah, those are weird kid memories that I have. That is not a a movie I'd put on in a daycare. No. Well, and it wasn't, like, a daycare situation. It was just, like, us three kids. Yeah, just hanging out. But, like, my little brother, who was ten years younger than me, and I probably was maybe 13, maybe younger than that. So, yeah. (laughs) Choices. How long has it been, would you say, since you've seen this? I... Like a good decade? A good decade. Like, I remember it vaguely, but I have not seen it. I I maybe, like, saw part of it once on TV, like, because somebody had it on more recently than that. But it's been a long time. Yeah. But I do remember liking it. Well, now we can analyze it as adults. Yeah. I feel like this movie gets forgotten across time, and it's kind of a shame because I think it's a really unique film amongst, like... I don't want to say children's media. I just, it's not really a kid's film. It's not really a family film. It's just a film. Yeah. And it's animated. A lot of animation, especially in the U.S., is marketed toward children. Right. And that's kind of in the mindset. It's been changing over the past couple decades with more adult animation shows coming out. Um, not a whole lot of adult animated movies. We had a little bit of a phase where we were getting stuff like the uh, Beowulf movie that was animated, that like Robert Zemeckis company. But we haven't really had any proper, like, adult, general audience animated films. 
Yeah. Because that's really more of a common thing in places like France. Yeah. Um, France's animation scene is very different from the U.S. Uh, in the U.S., things are very corporate. Obviously, we got Disney, we got Illumination, we've got DreamWorks, Sony, all those. Uh, France has a lot of smaller studios. There's larger ones in there, too. Um, but it, usually it's a lot of smaller studios kind of working together and ends up being a lot more, I guess what you would say, artsy. Mm-hmm. France's animation is not geared toward children specifically. It's just yeah. another medium of film. You know what? And from what I remember about this movie, if you told me that this was a French movie that had English dub, I would believe you. Yeah, right? Like, it doesn't feel like a traditional American animated film. Yeah. It kind of feels like if, what is it called? The one studio that made Green Knight? A24. Yeah, it feels like if A24 made an animated movie. Funny you should say that, because Focus Features is the distributing company, I guess? Production? I don't think it's, I don't know if it's production. I think it's just a distributing company. But Focus Features tends to find kind of uh, diamonds in the rough with their stories. They're very much associated with Leica. They've been kind of the prime, one of the primary companies associated with Leica, the yeah. stop motion company. This actually came out the same year as Coraline as well, so it was very much in line with what they were doing. Tim Burton also latched himself onto this project. Oh, really? Yeah, because he saw how unique it was. Hmm. So I, I think... Whenever you hear Nine or Nightmare Before Christmas, people typically think Tim Burton, which is true to the fact that he had a hand in producing it. But in terms of like the actual like filmmaking, he had very little to do with either movie. So this was actually an animated short. Oh. To begin with. Okay. It was made by Shane Acker. He made it while at UCLA. That's the University of California, L.A. It was a 10-minute short, and it was nominated for Best Short at the Oscars in 2006. Nice. Which is extremely impressive. Yeah. For any short, but especially coming out of a, a university setting. After, even though he didn't win the award, he was offered to make his short into a feature film afterward. Nice. And direct it. Sweet. Which... Is also kind of bananas. Yeah, that's to like me. a really rare opportunity. Super rare. That usually doesn't happen in an industry. Usually, you kind of work your way up from the bottom very slowly. Uh, he's worked on other stuff. He does. Um, his day job for a while was doing previs and like CG lighting and stuff. Uh, he actually worked for Third Floor. Uh, I have a friend who works at that company, oh, nice. but they do like pre-visualization for movies with 3D. It's like storyboarding, but with 3D assets. So he did that for a while. Um, I think he teaches now, actually. That's what he's been up to since 9. But yeah, that doesn't really happen often. The only other, like, major animation story like that I can think of is, like, Alex Hirsch with Gravity Falls. Yeah. Uh, Because he worked on Flapjack and then had this idea, and basically Disney, like, took him up on that idea, which is wild for how old he was at the time. Yeah. So kind of a similar story. Uh, Tim Burton was very interested after seeing the short um, and producing it because it was so different. So I'm glad that he latched himself onto this project. But really, Shane Acker is the one, the, the visionary behind all this. And I think he did a pretty good job. The movie has had mixed reviews, but it did make profit at the box office, which like, hey, you Success. did it. You made a successful movie. Great yeah. job. It was not a flop by any means. Yeah. It's it's one that I come back to in my mind as just like films that stick out to me. 
like whenever I'm telling people like my favorite animated films, I kind of go by decade of like ones that stand out to me. And nine is definitely one that stands out among the rest for me. It's not the most visually appealing or like the most interesting story, but I think the world is so unique and the characters are so fun Mm -hmm. that I kind of just get enveloped in it. And I really like it for that. When did you first encounter this movie? When it came out. Oh, like in theater? I think I think so. So this movie came out on September 9th, 2009. 9-9-9. Oh, that's cool. Which is one of the only release dates I will forever remember. Well, intentionally so, yeah. I imagine. Um, cool. There's a clock in the movie, apparently, that is also stuck on 909. So they really played into that yeah, for the marketing. Definitely. I remember seeing trailers for it and yeah, as a kid and as me now liking kind of creepy things uh it appealed to me yeah definitely how how old would we have been i probably would have been 12 13 ish 14 maybe somewhere in that range so probably like kind of the ideal age range when it first came out yeah but elijah wood is the main character oh really yeah he just pops up he does. I love him. I love when he pops into a project. I'm just yeah. like, oh, hey, it's you. Hey, it's Elijah. How's it wow. going, bud? Who else is in this? Uh, so this has Elijah Wood. This has Jennifer Connelly. This has John C. Riley. This has Tom Kane, who you may not be as familiar with, but he's primarily a voice actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you would know him from Clone Wars. He's Yoda mm-hmm. and uh, Admiral Yularen. I think he's also the Scrubby Bubbles guy, like in the Scrubby Bubbles commercial. Oh, that's weird. I'm pretty sure that's him. Voice actors are fun. I like analyzing their work. Oh, so there's a scientist in this movie who's like responsible for like, it's a post-apocalyptic movie, who's like responsible for all that. The scientist is voiced by the cousin of the guy who made the atomic bomb. Oh, was that intentional? Yeah. That's wild. So the scientist, the actor who plays the scientist, his name is Alan Oppenheimer. Oh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Oh, Oppenheimer. Okay. Yeah. Like, op- okay. Like Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer. Like, oh. literally the cousin of the guy okay. who made the atomic bomb. Okay. <laughs> All you had to do is, I would not have known, I wouldn't have recognized that if you hadn't prefaced with that. But yes, I have, I have heard Oppenheimer reference when learning about the atomic bomb yeah i think that's wild that they got him to do this role it is so what a a casting decision yeah i don't have a whole a whole lot beside that just like some fun little tidbits i feel like this one is better for us to go into without a whole lot of context yeah so the dvd that we have has both the movie and the short if you want to see the short the original short as well yeah we could do that and we can talk about it afterward. But All right. I'm excited to watch this one again. Yeah. It's kind of spooky. I think this I think this works for, for spooky month. Yeah, let's do it. And we'll see you after the break. See you then. Intermission time. Hello, and welcome to the middle part of the podcast. It's my episode, so you get to hang out with me. If you like what you hear and you want to support our podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema Crush Pod. That's at Cinema Crush Pod, all one word. 
You can also email us at cinemacrushpod at gmail.com. We'll be posting updates on our social media and sharing things that we love. If you have questions or feedback, you can tweet at us, you can DM us, you can comment on posts or respond to stories that we put out. We'd love to hear from you. We plan on publishing episodes bi-weekly, so you can look for us again in two weeks with a new episode. We are done with our mini-series, Rings of Power, so we are truly back to a bi-weekly schedule. As always, we really appreciate you for listening to our podcast and giving us a chance. If there's anyone that you think would like this podcast, please share it with them. We want to get the word out. But that's all the announcements that I have for you this episode, so let's get you back for our review and reflection of Nine. And now, on, on, on with the show. Hello, and welcome back. We just watched a movie. And a short. And a short, yeah. Yeah, we watched Nine, and then we watched the original short that it's based off of. Yes. Which you can instantly see all the parallels that the movie took from the short. Oh, yes, absolutely. I I was saying right after we watched the short that I can see, like, the short came out, and I can see all of the, like, unanswered questions that the team left in the plot of, like, first of all, there's no dialogue. So there's no, like, real chance to put in a ton of exposition without it focusing on that. So it really just, like, focuses on these two characters in peril and then eventually focuses on the one main character who is the hero succeeding, but at what cost. So, which is kind of the whole plot of Nine is, like, but we we survived, but at what cost. Yeah. So... Shall I synopsize this plot a little bit? I don't think we need to go super in-depth, but... But just for context, like... For context sake. To, to refresh memories. I don't know what time period it's supposed to take place in, but it kind of feels like World War One era. I think it's alternate World War One or yeah. something Maybe around there. Like World War One, World War Two. It's kind of like how the Fallout games are, like, yeah. alternate... Yeah, yeah. World War Twos or whatever. Yeah. Post apocalyptic. Um, it feels it feels a little bit more World War Two because there are a few references to like Nazis, visually speaking, and there's like a lot of very like Germany World War Two kind of imagery. I don't think that's where it's supposed to take place or anything. It kind of is set in this like alternate Earth, and they don't really give us a specific time period. We're not really given, like, the characters don't really have specific accents that allude to a specific location, but it is some some Western civilization. Somewhere in um, Europe. Somewhere in Europe. We open, and it's this guy that is completing this little, like, poppet sort of a doll. and Like a sackcloth. Like a little sackcloth, burlap sack, poppet kind of a thing. Um, and... Like we we basically find out that there are all of these little little guys running around in this like post apocalyptic yeah uh, and everyone's dead yeah ev- all the humans are dead they established that very clearly and that was like the moment that our quote unquote hero who is nine he has a big nine written on his back he wakes up and one of the first things that we see along with him are this dead body 
of the old man on the ground. And immediately I was like, there's a lot more serious imagery in this movie than I remember. Oh, yeah. It's intense and does not hold back, really. Mm -mm. Because, like, two scenes from that, the same character has exited the building that he was brought to life in and he looks inside like a rusted out car and there are like a corpse of a child with its parent inside so it it takes itself very seriously this is not a movie that really banks on humor at all which i kind of appreciate it's kind of refreshing it is refreshing and like there's not really anything like it yeah before or i would even say after yeah it feels very serious I don't think I've yet I've yet to see an animated film take itself as seriously as this does. Yeah. Overall, there are all these little these little guys, I don't know how else to describe them, that have been created for some purpose. We don't know what at first. And they're kind of just surviving and they have their own little group that they're trying to keep each other safe. They're trying to stay alive because there are these monsters roaming around like this one with a cat skull that kind of has like a weird frog body. Yeah. It's all robots. They're all robots that are kind of ramshackled together. Yeah, like like trash heaps come alive, but menacing trash heaps. One of their compatriots too gets taken by this thing. Nine has this little device that has been taken by this monster. It's just like a little round thing with some sigils on it. And that monster is a, is about to attempt to put this into a machine by the time they get to it. They kill it, the monster. But then Nine, uh, curiosity overtaking him, puts the object into the machine himself. Which I can't really blame him for because it's like he's just become alive. And that's yeah. the thing he's awakes to is this device. Right. And then he sees what it goes to. Right. He's like, oh. So, like, it's kind of almost his purpose. Yeah. To put it there. Right. And it turns out to be a huge mistake because it awakens this big metal machine monster. I think I kind of compared it to the co-pilot in WALL-E. Yeah. Um, or GLaDOS or from Gladys. Portal. Yeah. Kind of, kind of that sort of thing where it's like a big metal contraption with one big red eyeball. Um, and it's got a bunch of like little arms, it, like and hangs things. from the ceiling, and like ceiling looks and around. Big factory, and it starts. It tries t- to grab them all. To to the point, two gets his soul sucked into this thing, and that's what brings it to life initially. And then it sends all these monsters after these guys, and they spend all this time running away. There's a lot of intercharacter conversation and problems that happen and they continuously lose more and more of their party and then eventually they blow up this factory that this big red guy is in they think he's dead they're celebrating and then he comes crawling over the hill and like a zombie like a zombie and he steals another soul he chases after them nine has been getting these clues that he needs to go back to the place that he came to life in so he does that because he's determined to find out what's going on. He finds this message that's left for them, that they're all parts of this scientist's soul. This scientist who made this machine, I don't know if they really clarify what the purpose is. It ends up being used for creating machines that think, essentially wipe out humanity. I think the purpose of the machine was to be like an intelligent AI that could help them create things to help humanity. Yeah, but it. But of course, incomplete. it gets taken over by 
the government and yeah. then and the military and used for mm-hmm. weaponry. Yeah, because it's basically like a mind. So it wants to make things, but it doesn't have a human soul. Um, and the human soul is in all of these little guys. So it's trying to steal them. <laughs> it's like uh, Voldemort's Horcruxes. Yeah, very much. But like from a good guy, they get the little sigil thing back from the machine, which is just called the machine. And they kill it by removing this thing. Like, it blows up. Uh, and then they're able to release the souls of their fallen comrades. And it kind of closes on the remaining four individuals, sadly, saying goodbye to their friends. It's a very melancholy ending. Yeah, it's a very melancholy ending. Like, there is still hope, but what are these little guys going to do? The world has been ruined. They yeah. are the world. They are the world. That's all that's left as far as we know. Yeah. Very, like, uh, not a downer necessarily. It's a No, it's, it's, just really... a, it's just a very serious movie. Yeah. Like, it, it very much takes on, like you were saying, the scientist is voiced by the cousin of the guy that invented the atomic bomb. It's a very, like, this is a warning kind of a, a movie and it takes itself seriously in that respect there's not really a lot of like comic relief or anything i don't think it needs it no i think if there's any comic relief it's just in like the charm of the characters right it's not so much like they're not like cracking jokes and like i feel like that's kind of been a trope lately is like it's serious especially in marvel mm-hmm. like when there's a serious moment if someone cracks a joke and yeah. like to like lighten the mood they can't just let it sit yeah marinate this movie marinates the whole way through yeah the other thing i was thinking about this movie is that in the best way possible it feels like i'm watching all of the cutscenes for a video game i was gonna say i would love to see this remade but not as a film but as like a triple a video game yeah because I can, I can feel the moments where it would be like a cutscene to explain something, and then the moments of like action where you're taking control of the character. Yeah. Some of my favorite video games in recent years have been playable films. Like they're yeah. not really. We honestly, I I think we could probably do an episode on some video games. Yeah. In this definitely. podcast, that's a a genre of video games I've really enjoyed because I'm not really like a like an MMO person necessarily. Um, I think there's definitely a place for that. I understand why people enjoy them, but I'm much more a person who really enjoys the story of video games and not so much the actual playability necessarily. So games like Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, the most recent one that was released. Uh, Let me think, what are some other ones? Last of Us. Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man, PS4. I haven't seen the story in that one. Oh my gosh. For the side tangents for Mm Spider-Man. For the longest time, because I love playing video games. I I love a good story in a video game and I like good game mechanics. And for the longest time, I I had always said that Spider-Man 2 on the PS2 was the best Spider-Man game ever made because they had yet to impress me enough uh, with either a story or a game mechanic that would match it. And Spider-Man for the PS4, one of the, one of the more recent ones, I think they have a Miles Morales game now too as well, mm-hmm. like exceeded that expectation for me. They did a completely, it's not based off a of film, and they did a completely new take on all the characters and the story, and it's just really good. 
Yeah. And I think I, there is a nine video game based off of this. I would be curious to play it, but I would love to see the graphics updated. Yeah, definitely. Visually, this movie is it's good. It has a yeah. it has a good visual style. The 3D rendering is a bit rough around the edges. Yeah, once I get used to it, I can pretty much yeah w- live with it. After the first scene, I like I was kind of in for the ride. Yeah, but just to remind you of other things that were coming out at this time. I forgot how much of a banger 2009 was for animated films. Mm-hmm. We had we had nine. We had Coraline, which is not CG, but like it's another so. another really prominent one. We had Monsters vs. Aliens from DreamWorks, which is not a great movie, but like visually, like that's the kind of render quality we were getting. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Fantastic Beautiful. Mr. Fox, Up from Pixar, one of yeah. the best Pixar films they've made. Uh, again, just a point to the render quality we could have had for this film yeah but didn't so it's not necessarily a product of like oh it's an older movie it is it's more budget it's more budget than anything redline if anyone's seen that anime movie came out that year super great action film i'll probably bring it to the podcast sometime because i think you would love it i know you always mention it and you say i would like it i'm just like not always in the mood for action movies planet 51 came out astro boy that is, there are a lot of animated Princess films. and the Frog from Disney. Wow. Like 2009 had so much going for it. I'm surprised that I even saw it. I probably saw it pretty close to when it came out. Alvin so and the I'm Chipmunks, surprised. the Squeakquel. The best one. G-Force. <laughs> Again, the, the, the rendering in G-Force looks better than 9. Oh, the Gruffalo, the, the short very very good Hmm. yeah anyway great year for films good year yeah good year so i can i can see it could have been better if they probably had a larger budget but like even the even what they did produce i think i think it worked it worked and they definitely work with what they have i think they put just the right amount of effort into what they needed yeah for the time that they had and the technology that they had available for getting the final look. Because the voice acting is great. The characters are good. The animation is fine. Like, the story is phenomenal. I think one of the things that helps it a lot that is really a strength that I notice in certain animated films and even live action is the character acting. Because we we watched the behind the scenes of the animators talking about how they go about animating character action. And they reference the fact that like a lot of the scenes in this movie are characters talking to each other. So for an animated movie, that's not like highly exaggerated. You do need a lot of that subtlety that would come otherwise with a live action actor acting it. And I think that they really do a great job of capturing that aspect. And that's not uncommon for animated films to shoot reference footage. No, we do it all the time. Yeah. And I always encourage my students to do it as well. Animators are just as much actors as they are artists. Yeah. Like when it comes down to getting that final product, like you might have the footage of the voice actor in the booth, but when it comes to the body movement of the character, it's really kind of come down to the animator to decide what that looks like. I think what one of them said really sparked something in my brain, which was thinking about elements like that adds a lot of texture to a movie, not just visual texture. Like I would compare it to if I were going to a modern art museum 
and I saw a painting that was just a painting and it was the color blue and it was just a blue canvas just plain flat it looked it almost would look like the canvas had been dyed blue and stretched on the frame versus a canvas that had a bunch of acrylic paint smeared over it and so the light caught different parts of the texture and there was shadow and highlights and maybe there was some image hidden in there and there were like different variations on the color and so they're the same color but one is a lot flatter and one has a lot of visual interest to it and my eye is going all over the place like that's how that's how I sort of imagine it with movies like this my brain is catching on all of these little points of interest like this movie has really interesting use of props it has really good character acting the voice acting is great the lighting is really great it's very like spooky and dingy and post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic <laughs> the camera shots everything's very well framed very well framed there's a lot of really interesting pov shots like we're not always this is not a story that solely focuses on on nine there are a lot of shots that are from the point of view of a different character focusing on nine like there's a great shot near the beginning where five is looking through the watchtower telescope down at nine and you're not sure who is looking at nine and it's right after this very perilous scene has happened where this monster has been trying to capture him yeah you don't know whether this is a friendly person or not so it just like puts you on edge and adds this like element of suspense and like this extra texture to that scene and then you see oh it's another one of these little these little guys but we still don't know if he's friendly or not so there's a lot of really great storytelling that's done without having like a lot of good showing not telling like, I know, I know exactly how I'm supposed to feel in this scene, and yeah. they're doing a great job of making me feel that way. I think a, a strength of that came from the original short, because yeah. there was no dialogue in the original short. Yeah. It was just action, and they really stemmed off of that for the bones of this movie. Yeah. I think that every animator should should do an exercise where they make a short with no dialogue, because it really, like... It forces you to be creative with your shots. Yeah. Because you can't you... rely on what's being said. Yeah, you have to tell the story with charades, basically. With color, with lighting, with camera movements, with your storyboarding. Yeah. And that's that's something I always hammer into my storyboard classes when I'm teaching students is like, there's so much that you have to keep in mind when you're framing a shot of like, what's going to be the most important thing to look at, the most interesting angle to look at that thing. Like, where do you want to place your audience to view what's happening in the yeah. script? What is the most interesting place that they can be? Yeah. We just listened to our our friend's Rings of Power podcast episode today, so I was thinking about it, and I was just, like, comparing this movie <laughs> to Rings of Power in my brain. I think the the creators of that show need to take some notes because this is so good and such a well-told story Yeah, without needing a lot. And I know it's different. There's, there's not a lot of characters in this. No, there's not. There are, you know, obviously the nine mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and what, three villains? We have the, the kind of cat-like one. We have the bird. I guess four the villains. Snake. We have the snake, the snake which is, is my awful. which is my favorite. 
It's so weird and creepy. I love it. I want to talk about the monsters in a bit, but we have the and then the giant eyeball. So yeah, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So thirteen characters and a mm-hmm. scientist. Fourteen. Not all of them are speaking roles, and most of them die. Yeah, there are real consequences in this film. Mm-hmm. We see two die. We see five and six and one and eight like just beef it and they really they show it on screen what's happening to them and we feel that like guilt that nine feels even the scientist's death is shown on screen yeah this movie does not pull any punches Mm -mm. again real consequences for characters actions nine makes a mistake and it costs not just one life multiple lives of these fragmented soul beings well and to that point all of these characters are parts of one person's soul and he feels personally responsible for so many deaths yeah because he made this machine that's just referred to as the machine that created weapons that wiped out humanity so i think at the end of it, I don't know, I don't think I want to go through and try to assign, like, all the parts of a personality to these characters, because we truly don't really know much about the scientist, but Nine truly feels like the heroic, empathetic part of the scientist that is his last hope and embodies that. He's the curiosity. I think hope is a good word for Nine. He's the last one that that is made. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the last chance for things to work out in the world. Yeah. But every one of these characters has is memorable to me. Yeah. In their personality. One is a leader. He's trying to protect people. Two is curious. He's inventing things, tinkering. Mm-hmm. Also very compassionate. Yeah. Three and four, the twins. I love yeah. them. The librarians. They don't speak. Yeah. They just like take pictures of things with their eyes. Yeah. And catalog everything, but he they're like the the memory. Yeah. I guess of everything. The eyes. There's uh, two of them. Yeah. <laughs> 5, the one with the one eye. Mhm. I feel like 5 is the cautious one. He's cautious but adventurous and he's very kind. Yeah. He has a good spirit. Yeah. He's like the the friendly, kind, compassionate. And he works well with two. They're kind of two halves of a whole. Yeah. I think two is probably more adventurous than Mm -hmm. five. Yeah. Six is kind of a dreamer. Yeah. Artistic. Artistic. uh, Very like Oracle-y. Yeah. Because he's the one that knows about the, the spirit thing and that's that's something weird about this world there's a lot of like mechanics and science but but there's also like magic yeah there's like an occult bent or like an alchemical bent to it yeah it's very it feels very alchemy to me it's just a twist of like fantasy yeah like probably i'd say like 90 percent science fiction and like that last little 10 percent of fantasy yeah it's a, it's a nice balance. It's a refreshing take on like a post-apocalyptic film. Yeah. Seven is the warrior and I guess seven and eight are warriors. Yeah. I just realized, but very different. Seven is much more dexterous and nimble 
8 is kind of the big hulking the one. Both of them hulking. are protectors as well, but like in a physical sense. Mom and dad. Yeah. I will, I will say for 7, I think they did a good job of not over-feminizing their character design. Yeah, definitely. That was one thing I was going to kind of mention is like 7, I feel like 7, 3, and 4 are all vaguely feminine coded. Yeah. Um, like I think if they were, if they had cast voice actors for three and four, they probably would have cast female voice actors or at least one female voice actor for one of them. But they do a really good job of like giving them a different voice without making them like they, that is the girl character. Yeah. You know? And like, there are hints of like femininity in the character design and stuff. Cause like she has the skull that she wears, the like mm-hmm. bird skull, but it has like kind of these dangly, like quote earring. Yeah. Things. And like the um the like feathers kind of emulate like longer hair yeah. sort of a thing. But and just add like an extra dynamic element to the character. Yeah. It's never too much for me though. No. It's just like, oh, that's a cool character design. Because I feel like in a lot of in a lot of kids' films, they'll just like put vague boob shape on yeah, character. Vague, vaguely idealized feminine figure. And uh, it's just like that's very lazy. Like, why did you do that? Like you could have just why? Kids don't care. You could have thought a little harder on this. Yeah. <laughs> they just need you to know that that one is the lady. Don't get it twisted. It is the lady. We're casting a female voice actor, but just in case. But in this case, they don't do that. No. Because like, they're, they're all kind of the same shape. <laughs> like, they, well, yeah, that's the other thing is like, other than eight, yeah. they're all very much the same shape. But they, the design of each character does a really good job of giving me like, okay, this character has this and this character has this. Yeah, some that of them have buttons, some of them have zippers, some of yeah. them have Don't, different no. eyes. But yeah, Eight's kind of the standout because he's humongous. Big buff. He's a little dumb. He's a big old himbo. <laughs> but the character design for eight though the magnet on his back to carry his weapons i thought was really cool and then he uses it to get high <laughs> i know <laughs> he like puts it by his brain i'm just like oh buddy he no his eyes fuzzy <laughs> maybe that's why he's not very smart i think it is i think he was not meant to be that dumb but he made himself kind of stupid by <laughs> which which i wonder not to get like a downer but i wonder if that part of him is like from like maybe the scientist had like a nicotine addiction or something like he smoked a lot. Oh, maybe. So maybe that's like that addiction part of his like personality that that, that is would be interesting. I don't know. There's a lot you can speculate about who the scientist was based on all these characters, but the one thing that I can assess from all of the characters combined is that this this person was not a bad person and he did not intend bad things to happen. And he's very much trying to fix what he started. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think the dynamic between one and nine mm-hmm. emphasizes that a lot. And I think that's why they focused on them. Yeah. Because as, like, argumentative as they are with each other, I think they both have the same goal in mind. Right. Because one is not a bad leader, per se. I think no. he, he lets, as nine says, he lets his fear drive him too much. Yeah. But he is actively trying to protect everyone. Right. I think it's the journey that the scientist himself takes throughout his life from I'm going to make this machine, it's going to help people, I'm going to protect people, to 
I need to be humble and admit that I am a flawed person and I can still help people, but I need to recognize my flaws first so that I can grow. That's like the whole journey that I see for that one character Uh through all of these iterations of his person in these other characters. It's a really interesting character study. I'd be curious like what the writer's rooms looked like for this because they took a really vague, mysterious story initially with that short that it spawned from. Yeah. And turned it into something really deep with a lot of layers. Yeah, there's a lot of environmental storytelling on top of all that as well. Yeah. Like, every background has something to tell about what happened here. Yeah. And, like, it is a bit smaller scale just because they're small. Right. And you can't, they can't run that far. Yeah. So our setting really is kind of just this one city countryside. I don't really know if I would have any, like, critiques for this. Like, other than, other uh, than like, just the, visuals the visuals could be a little bit But, like, better, story-wise, but... I'm really happy with what they did. Yeah. And I, in terms of, like, was it worth it to make a full-length movie off of a short? Absolutely for this. Mm-hmm. I think they really dived into this world and expounded upon these characters the thing that i struggle with is i don't think that this is a movie i would want to come back to frequently necessarily i'm not having watched this i'm like okay i've seen it and if i was like really in the mood for a movie like this then i would come back to it but it's kind of too heavy (laughs) for me to want to come back to it frequently i don't know how you feel i feel the opposite i love this movie Mm -hmm. I, I'm sad it's taken me so long to rewatch it, mm-hmm. but as I said, I like creepy things. Um, this movie just has like a, a sweet spot for me. Yeah. Also, the, the snake monster makes me very happy. It's so awful. But like this, this, the, the like sinister nature of these creations that the big eye makes, like, it's like, okay, so there's the, the cat one. It's a, a predator. Mm-hmm. Very primal, didn't really work out, so I'll make a better predator. I'll make a, a flying thing, and that doesn't last very long at all. But the snake is made from the body of two. Right. Which, like, we don't get to see it till later, but, like, we know it's going to be made from him, and immediately that's just, like, red flag, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> that's another scene where they do a really good job on switching the pov shots because a lot of them come from the perspective of this creature like the scene when eight is like investigating the noise that he hears and he like comes upon two but we don't see two's face we just see two come up to eight and eight looks horrified because he's like my friend died why is he here and then it just like the camera angle raises up along with two and then there's just this green flashing that happens. And then we it's don't so know what good. happened. It's such a well done horror scene. Like yeah. those scenes specifically felt so much like a horror movie. Good movie monster. Also, movie just monster. like the implication of this thing, because all these characters are made of like sackcloth. Yeah. It's a sewing monster. Uh-huh. It sews them into its body. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. It's awful. It's so good. It's so horrifying. And like, it's got threads coming out of its teeth and like needle hands. Uh-huh. 
I can see why Focus Features wanted this along with Coraline. Yeah. It definitely has, like, Coraline vibes without feeling too close to Coraline. Yeah. It's like somebody gave these two studios the same prompt, <laughs> which is literally just, here is a button and a sewing needle. Do with it what you will. Yeah. And that's it. And we got these two movies. We got two very different but amazing films. Like, I know that's not what happened, but, like, that's, like... It's what it feels like. It's what it feels like. Oh, they're so good. I think it's just because, like, there's not... Getting back to me, not potentially wanting to watch this quite as frequently. For one thing, I think putting more time between watches would help me, like, forget... <laughs> all of the story beats. But also, like, I just don't know that there's a character that I necessarily completely relate to in this movie. So it's more for me about, like, the story as a whole than, like, the... Yeah. A specific character that I have connected with. And speaking of Coraline, like, I very much connect with Coraline as a character. Yeah. So That's I true. really like they're, that story. They're all very much purpose-driven for this whole movie, and there's not a whole lot of personal moments i think mainly because like i don't think nine hasn't hasn't really had a chance to get to know who he is but also they all know each other because they're all the same person yeah they're all different people but they're all from the same person and so there's that sense of familiarity where it's like you are one of us i don't know you because but, it would be like taking a person and cloning them and, and giving them the same personality but yeah, like yeah well that's like you'd be different that's like two's introduction to nine is he calls him friend yeah. right off the bat yeah he's like you look like me i know what you are yeah and none of them like truly because i don't i'm so curious See, these are more questions, which tells me it's a good story because they're more questions that don't necessarily need to be answered. But I would love to hear an answer. How, what was the process for all of the other ones being created? Because I want to know, like, when did, he, when did the scientists start making them? How far apart are their, like, quote unquote, birthdays? How did he figure out how to do this? I just want to know, because, like, how much context have these little guys been given? If yeah. they're all from the same guy, did he explain this to some of them? Clearly, they don't really know where they came from. But he only dies after he finally gives the last part of himself to Nine. So I'm curious, like, how they all kind of came to life and ended up where they are. Like, did he just make them one after the other and, like, throw them out the window and say, go? Because... One kind of gives context to that and, like, explains that, you know, he kind of led them all to safety and everything, but... Yeah. So, at least, like, one through eight knew each other, like, all together. Yeah. Before nine came. Right. But, like, I want to know what the timeline looks like for that. Yeah. Because I feel like it can't be that long because, to be frank, the corpses in that car did not look that old. Or the scientists. Or the, well, the scientists just died, though. I'm pretty sure. I think that's the implication anyway. But also, are there other humans elsewhere? Or have they, or like, is it just this region that's been wiped out? I don't know. I don't think we need to know. We don't need to know, but I'm just, I want to know. <laughs> I'm just curious. But maybe you can make that movie.
No. I'm not gonna make nine two. <laughs> Call something else. Like what? I don't know. <laughs> Ten? Seven. Make it about seven. No. It's good. Leave it alone. <laughs> don't be like Hollywood. I don't want to be like Hollywood. I want to, I want another one so that I can know more then about the make story. Make a video game. Make a graphic novel of what happens to them. Because that's what Over the Garden Wall does. And they're very good. No. It's fine. It's perfect the way it is. This was also made so long ago that I don't think people would return to it. I think Shane would like it. <laughs> What's he up to anyway? He's teaching. Oh, yeah. I wonder if he's got any projects in the works, though. I don't know. Did he, like, tell the story he wanted to tell and then... I think so. I based Just based on his, like career path after the fact i think he just kind of went back in the visual effects and yeah it's like okay i made a movie like yeah you did it i made a profit i think that's successful it is and like it is it's a cool success story yeah i like it i do feel like not enough people talk about this movie yeah it's one that kind of falls through the cracks yeah i think it's just because like it's an animated movie but it's not really a kid's movie like you said at the beginning and I think that th there are a lot of people that just have a lot of work to do in their ability to accept that not every animated movie has to be for kids. Animation is a medium, not a genre. Yes. That's why I'm always frustrated by the Oscars for having one animation category. And it's like all, always all kids films. Yeah. Like always. Well, I mean, Cartoon Saloon ends up in there too, but... Still. Car they never actually win. I, don't know. I like Cartoon Saloon a lot, but I feel like Cartoon Saloon is also geared toward younger audiences yeah. overall. Yeah. I, I want, just, like... I feel like the only non-younger non audience animated stuff ends up in the short film category. I don't know. There's a couple... Like, Princess Mononoke is one that I would say is not a yeah, that's kid's not really film. Kid, that's kid just a film that's animated. Studio Ghibli movies in general, there's a few that I feel like are specifically kind of geared towards a younger audience. Yeah. Although, there's a few slice of life ones that I feel are geared toward, like, high school to, like, college age. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, Whisper of the Heart is very much like a high school slice of life. Yeah. Or, like, from up on Poppy Hill. It's, like, not, like, little, little kids. Right. Like, it has, a, it's interesting to see an older audience in that. But I want more movies like nine. Yeah. Well, you're just going to have to make them. All right. Done. <laughs> but should we rate this? Yeah. You go first. I need to gather my thoughts. All right. As a reminder of my rating system, it's on a scale of negative five to five. Five being the best it could be. Negative five being so bad it's good. And zero in the middle being just plain bad. I'm going to put this definitely in the positive. I'm just trying to think how close to five I want to put it, because I think just for the visuals, I don't think I can give it a full five because there are it, there are some rough edges to this, but that's totally OK. So I'm going to give this, you know, what? I'm going to give this a four point nine. <laughs> so close. Just because it has nine in it. Mm hmm. It's it really is like it's almost there for me. I love this movie. I think 
I'd love to do a. I'd love for a re-render of this movie. Yeah, no, nothing. Nothing would be different. Just make it look just a little bit better. I lighting and textures. I would love if this movie was remade. Everything was exactly the same, just like modern technology. Yep. Like texture. Lighting. It's kind of like kind of like when they do the. The video game reboots like they're not remaking the game they're mm-hmm. just updating the graphics and like tightening the controls right like when they did the like crash bandicoot insane trilogy when they did the like spyro yeah stuff like it's just a plain like same game better graphics controls better no lag i want that for but not an animated remake like we see with disney no i just want purely purely remastered remastered. i want little fibers coming off of all these little and honestly guys i'm amazed how far cg has come Mm -hmm. since then because like i feel confident that i could make like a character model that looks better than what they rendered in this and like i'm not a like Obviously, it's my animation is my job, but like it's hard to do like by yourself. Like that's why there's so many teams of people that work on these films with the way technology is right now. I know I could make a character model of nine and make it look really, really good. Yeah, I think you should do an exercise where you model nine. That'd be fun. You know what I would do? All right. Here's the technical speak. Instead of traditional like skinning where... It's like when you make a character mesh in 3D, you have to give it like weights of like how much each part bends when you when the armature bends, like when the bones of it bend. Rather than do that for like the quote skin of the characters, I would love to do just a hard skeleton inside and a cloth simulation mm-hmm. on the outside. And that's it. Yeah, there would there would be no skinning, as it's called. Yeah, because that's just what they are. Yeah. There's no reason why I would I guess, for the head I would probably do what they did in this film for rigging, but for the body I would definitely do more of a a cloth like feel. What's your rating? Um, I think I will give this. I'll give it an eight out of nine. Boo! <laughs> boo! Why boo? You're not gonna give it a nine out of ten. That could work too, but there's only nine of them. I guess. There's not ten. Or a characters. nine out of nine? Well, I think the visuals are the same the same thing for me. Where it's like everything else is great, just not the visuals. But that's not really like they did the best they could. It does not stop me from watching it. Yeah. Like I think it's great. It just I can see where it can be better. So like that's where it would earn the full nine out of nine. Yeah. Well, thanks for watching this with me. Yeah, it's a good one to revisit because I haven't seen it in so long. So thanks for bringing it. Well, we'll see you next episode and it'll be Emily's turn. Yeah, I think I know what I'm bringing. Okay. So we'll see you next time. See you then. as we've enjoyed having you here. Till next time, please drive carefully.
And good night now.